Did you know that how quickly and successfully the brain learns to read is greatly influenced by the student's ability to speak? It's important to understand what cognitive neuroscience has revealed about how the brain processes the spoken word when looking to unlock the secret for accelerating literacy with our students or children. Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast for Brain Fact Friday and episode number 182. On Accelerating Literacy, Understanding How the Brain Learns to Read. For those new or returning guests, welcome. I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator from Toronto, Canada, now in Arizona, and like many of you listening, have been fascinated with learning and understanding the science behind high-performance strategies that we can use to improve our productivity in our schools, our sports, and workplace environments. For this week's Brain Fact Friday, I'm deep in the middle of preparing for a presentation with Assistant Superintendent Greg Wolcott and his Learning Ability Summit. If you're an educator looking for new ideas and strategies for your students, please do visit his summit page to learn more. For a reasonable cost, he offers training for educators that's available virtually from people around the country who share their expertise to accelerate learning for your students. I highly recommend following these summits and offering them to your staff for professional development. As an educational consultant, I first began making the connection with how the brain impacts learning back in 2014 and began creating presentations around what I was learning years before I launched this podcast. One project was with an educational publisher who asked me to create a white paper on how ELL, or English language learners, or emergent bilingual students learn to read. This was right in the middle of watching my youngest daughter struggle with learning to read in first grade. She's now in fifth grade and struggles much less, but as we begin, I have to say that I've not only taught these strategies to educators and created training materials with them, but have personally used them with my own daughter, as learning to read is not only a challenge for our ELL students, but many English-speaking students as well. Before I offer some of the strategies discovered in my research to create this white paper to accelerate literacy, I think it's always important to dig deeper into the why behind looking for solutions to the most common challenges our students are facing when learning to read. We know that every child learns at their own pace, but there are important metrics to notice with reading. And I did ask Dr. Daniel Ansari, Professor and Canada Research Chair in Developmental Cognitive Neuroscience and Learning, about these benchmarks when it comes to numeracy and math on our Interview 138 this past summer. If you want to review the important metrics he suggests for math, please do revisit his interview by looking at the references in the show notes. But getting back to literacy, I want to share some statistics And these are all U.S. statistics for our international listeners, but you'll get the point no matter where you're listening to this podcast. I'm sure it won't shock you to know the problems that illiteracy is causing in America and internationally, but if we dig just a bit deeper, 
Did you know that two-thirds of students who cannot read proficiently by the end of fourth grade will end up in jail or on welfare? Over 70% of America's inmates can't read above a fourth grade level. One in four children in America grow up without learning how to read at all. Students who don't read proficiently by the third grade are four times likelier to drop out of school. Nearly 85% of the juveniles who face trial in the juvenile court system are functionally illiterate, proving that there's a close relationship between illiteracy and crime. More than 60% of all inmates are functionally illiterate. In 2013, Washington, D.C. was ranked the most literate American city for the third year in a row, with Seattle and Minneapolis close behind. Great place to learn how to read. Long Beach, California was ranked the country's most illiterate city, followed by Mesa, Arizona, not far from where my children go to school, and Aurora, Colorado. It's eye-opening to see these statistics, these shocking statistics that lead to high dropout rates, low graduation rates and college completion, incarceration, and welfare for our students, and can contribute to work burnout and other health challenges for teachers who continue to look for new angles to help students who are struggling, many times without making progress, because it's not about asking our students to read more, but understanding how they're reading, proving that it's a critical time to look for new ways to accelerate literacy with our students. I can't forget to mention Howard Berg's interview on speed reading. Please do look in the show notes for his tips on accelerating literacy. If you have a struggling reader, if you're a teacher or a parent, think about these questions. Has the student developed a vast vocabulary? Are there grammatical errors in their speech? How do students put their sentences together? These are all clues to help us to understand additional ways that we can help our students to improve their ability to read. If there are challenges with any one of these questions, there may be a challenge with the student's ability to read that begins with their ability to speak. Think about this for a moment. Think of a struggling reader that you know. What have you noticed about how they speak? An incredible feature of the human brain is that it acquires the spoken language fairly quickly and accurately. We are born with the ability to distinguish sounds from written symbols and express ourselves to others. Before we had advanced brain scanning technologies, we found evidence of how the brain produced the spoken language from injured brains. The Broca's area, named after French physician Paul Broca, and the Wernicke area, named after German neurologist Karl Wernicke, are the two main areas of the brain that produce the spoken language. Research in cognitive neuroscience indicates that learning any skill, including reading, requires the following four elements. First, you've got to have practice for the brain to build and strengthen the neural pathway required for that new skill. Next, you've got to have intensity. Learning a new skill requires focus and concentration. Then you've got to have a cross-training of skills by bringing together skills to support reading, like spoken language fluency and comprehension. And then finally, you've got to have motivation and attention. Motivation is the key to learning any new skill. There must be strategies involved to increase the student's motivation to read 
and studies do show that the brain's ability to acquire the spoken language is best during the first 10 years of life, but this doesn't mean we can't learn a new language after age 10, it just means it takes more effort. So how do we unlock the secret to literacy with the reading brain? Unlike the spoken language, the brain does not have one area specialized for reading. Reading takes up many parts of the brain working together like a symphony. You can see how the skills needed to link the sounds we produce from the letters of the alphabet must be learned from direct instruction. Emerging readers can build strong reading skills through repetition and practice to strengthen the neural pathways used as the brain learns to read. The reading brain involves many parts of the brain working together. You've got the temporal lobe that's responsible for phonological awareness and decoding sounds. You've got the frontal lobe that looks after speech production, reading fluency, grammar, and comprehension. Then there's the angular and supramarginal gyrus that links the different parts of the brain together to execute the action of reading. Then there's the parietal lobe that turns letters into words, understanding language. And the occipital lobe, which is the visual processing center. So how can we unlock the reader within each of our students and bring all these parts of the brain together working in unison? If you want to learn the details of all of the nine brain aligned strategies I created, please do click on the link to access the presentation and many others through Greg Wolcott's Learning Ability Summit. But I will cover the first strategy for this week's Brain Fact Friday. To review this week's Brain Fact Friday, Remember that how quickly and successfully the brain learns to read is greatly influenced by the student's ability to speak. The first strategy I offer is building vocabulary that skyrockets students past their obstacles when they become stuck. I learned this strategy from David Souza's How the Brain Learns to Read series. Learning to read requires a solid mental lexicon of spoken vocabulary, and although many researchers differ on the nature of these networks, most agree that the mental lexicon is organized according to meaningful relationships between words. It seems that the brain stores clusters of closely associated words in a tightly packed network so that words within the network can activate each other in minimal time. Activating words between networks, however, takes longer. It would take the brain a shorter period of time to connect words in the same category. Like if you look in the show notes, I've got an image there that shows how quickly you can access words like vegetables, peas, peppers, and artichoke. They're all in the same category. And consequently, longer to access words not connected in the same network as someone would go from thinking about salad to frog in a different category, it would take a lot longer. So to put this into action, when learning new vocabulary words, be sure to connect words in categories and practice new words in clusters using maps or webs. During pre-writing, take one word in the middle of a paper and map out as many words and ideas that are connected to this one word to form a sentence. For your English language learners, you would think that exposing ELLs to English and having them interact with native English speakers would result in them learning English. This is a misconception. 
ELLs must pay conscious attention to the grammatical, morphological, and phonological aspects of the English language. They need targeted instruction beyond immersion. For example, interactions between ELL and native English speakers in the mainstream classroom don't occur naturally. Watch it and see what happens. When they do happen, they're often brief exchanges of conversational English that doesn't provide the opportunity to develop academic language. So to build new academic vocabulary, not just conversational, for our students with our brain in mind, be sure to create meaningful relationships between words and students' mental lexicon because vocabulary words in the same category are easier for the brain to access. This brain-aligned strategy can be used for any student learning to read. I hope you found this week's Brain Fact Friday useful. When sitting with your students or children when they're reading, see if you can look at them through a new lens with their brain in mind. As they're reading words and they struggle with one, see if you can get them to think of the word in a category of other similar words. Instead of just explaining the meaning behind new words without any context, offer another word that goes along with the word they're challenged with, like we saw with the example of peas, lettuce, and peppers, to place this word in their brain in a cluster with other similar words where it can be accessed quickly and easily the next time they come across it. Remember this week's Brain Fact Friday that how quickly and successfully the brain learns to read is greatly influenced by the student's ability to speak. With this in mind, I'm sure you'd know the other strategies I discovered to help accelerate literacy include many ways to have students practice reading out loud with confidence, listening to others reading, giving and receiving feedback, and of course, ways to organize their writing. I'll see you next week. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 